Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. I created three category of psychological disorders um, that are very common to um, a very common um, type of person that the codependent will fall in love with and eventually be bonded with. And that's someone who either has a narcissistic, borderline or antisocial personality disorder. And these are actual mental health disorders that are categorized as a personality disorder. And so when I refer to pathological narcissists, I'm referring to three different personality disorders that are that um, on, on many levels are different in the way they, they are, but they all have an extreme narcissistic core. And then on, and then the codependent is the opposite. And what I explained in my book by using the metaphor of a dancing couple, you know, the way they fit together are as opposites that we have a dance couple, the, the leader needs to find a follower as the follower needs to find a leader in order for the dance to feel right. We have an incredible guest today who has dedicated his career to understanding and helping those caught in the web of pathological narcissists. Ross Rosenberg is the owner and primary contributor to Self Love Recovery Institute. He's a psychotherapist, educator, expert witness, and author. Ross is known globally for his expertise in codependency, which he has termed self-love deficit disorder as well as pathological narcissism, narcissistic abuse, and trauma treatment. His book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, has sold over 100,000 copies and is translated into seven languages. And Ross has been regularly featured on national TV and radio and has over 170,000 subscribers on YouTube and over 16 million views. You can also find his work online at selfloverecovery.com. We're really excited to have you here today. Welcome, Ross. Well, thank you, Karen. So, Ross, uh, I want to jump right in. Uh, In your book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, uh, it does such a powerful job of explaining this dynamic that we're diving into today. And I felt um, what added comfort and trust was knowing that this isn't just professional research for you, but that you've been living this and that you have generations of your family experience. And so that just made it all the more powerful as I read through your book. 
Yeah, it, it's interesting because I wrote uh, two versions of my book, the first one in 2013 and the second one in 2018. Um, and the second one, I decided to start the book with a four-generation description and how this problem, codependency or self-love deficit disorder and pathological narcissism, travels predictively um, um, from generation to generation. If you are a child who is to become a codependent parent, or for that matter, a pathological narcissist, the probability is extremely high that if you don't get help, you're going to pass it on to the next generation. So that's why I started off with this chapter called Stop Passing the Baton using the track team metaphor. Because, you know, it's so important to solve this problem in ourselves. But many of us have to consider or uh, or do consider, you know, at the cost on our children, our children's children. And so I'm glad I that think, you recognize that. Yeah, that that breaking of generational chains, which is what um, I, I get the sense your work is is really geared to helping the individual and breaking the generational chains, which I think is so powerful. Um, so our listeners have been married to a narcissist and are now considering divorce in the thick of it or post-divorce and still stuck. I would love uh, for you to lay some groundwork today explaining the pathological narcissist and the self-love deficient codependent. So what exactly is a pathological narcissist? So what I did in my book is I, I created three category of psychological disorders um, that are very common to um, a very common um, type of person that the codependent will fall in love with and eventually be bonded with. And that's someone who either has a narcissistic, borderline or antisocial personality disorder. And these are actual mental health disorders that are categorized as a personality disorder. And so when I refer to pathological narcissists, I'm referring to three different personality disorders that are that um, on, on many levels are different in the way they, they are, but they all have an extreme narcissistic core. And then on, and then the codependent is the opposite. And what I explained in my book by using the metaphor, a dancing couple, you know, the way they fit together are as opposites that we have a dance couple. The, the leader needs to find a follower as the follower needs to find a leader in order for the dance to feel right, for it to be coordinated, for it to be exciting. And only the selfish, self-centered narcissist is going to, um, he only or she only knows how to dance with a giving, sacrificial, and accommodating codependent. And that is why, I, that is the basis for my book, The Human Magnet Syndrome. So if we talk a little bit more about that pathological narcissist, uh, having been married to someone who was on the spectrum, there were things that during the marriage I thought were normal and since I've learned are, are traits, what you typically see. Can you describe, and I think our listeners will sure. just be nodding their head as you say this because this is what they're experiencing. I think there's a value in you oh, describing. So what, what I'll do is I'll quickly describe the three pathological narcissistic disorders. Someone who is, has a narcissistic personality disorder is selfish, self-centered, grandiose, entitled. Um, they kind of believe everything should be about them, and when it's not, they get upset. 
they tend to um, you know be stuck in this self promoting vain uh, um, um, world of theirs that they can't see beyond their needs because it's a personality disorder and this is important and people that have personality disorders they don't know they have a problem therefore they are resistant to someone re suggesting it and getting help the second disorder borderline personality disorder um, it's a person that has very, very unstable moods. They can go from loving you, idolizing you, to hating and wanting to destroy you. And they will anything that upsets them or makes them feel any um, any potential um, feeling of abandonment, they will attack and hurt the people they love. And they cycle between wanting to destroy the person and love them. And the third pathological narcissist is the antisocial personality disorder or the sociopath. And these are folks that don't have... Um, much or any empathy or remorse. They are um, usually liars, they're deceitful, they're con men or con women. They, all they can think about is themselves and they don't necessarily want a relationship or have the ability to connect in a relationship. Now what ties the, these three disorders together is they all have a core of narcissism, pathological narcissism. They all are selfish and self-centered and needy and will hurt the person who does not fulfill their narcissistic needs. They de all demonstrate narcissistic injuries if you should suggest, correct, or redirect them, or in any way get in their way of getting what they need. Now they're all different, but codependents fall in love with pathological narcissists. They, as caregivers who are instinct instinctively, almost reflexively, um, invisible, accommodating, uh, um, they only can feel comfortable with someone who takes control, who needs to be in front of the scenes, who is the lead dancer. So those three pathological narcissists might, might be different on the surface, but all share a deep pathological narcissistic core. Yeah, and I think that's great to understand because when I was reading your book, I thought, wow, that's, that's really helpful that all of these different disorders of boiled down that they do have these central behaviors that many of us have experienced. And the second part of my question is about the codependent or the self-love deficit, person with a self-love deficit disorder. Can you just, we're so clear on the issues and problems of the narcissist. Right. I, I, want, I want you to, to shine a spotlight on the issues of the codependent, because everything that we do in Journey Beyond Divorce is really about helping people keep the focus on themselves so that they can get better. So can you speak to that? Yeah. One of the things I'm, I'm most proud of on my book and, and my subsequent work is I redefine codependency. There are so many books out there that talk um, uh, and give so much information about what is a codependent. And many of these books don't agree with each other. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to synthesize a working definition of codependency that, that was not more than one paragraph long. And, and this is what I created for my books and has been embraced um, uh, for the last, well, ever since it's been created. So codependency is a, dis is a individual disorder that manifests in relationships. It's essentially a problem with the distribution of love respect, and caring in a relationship. The codependent gives all the love, respect, and caring away, hopes that it's recipro reciprocated or, or uh, it's, it's mutual, um, 
of, because they pick the narcissist, it's not reciprocated. They try to get it to be reciprocated. They can't. And they decide to stay in a relationship. So let me be even more simplistic. A codependent gives all the love, respect, and care in a relationship. They try to make it equal or reciprocal. It's not, and they stay in a relationship. That simplistic definition describes all types of codependence. Just like there are different faces for narcissists, there's also so many different faces of codependence. But every single type of codependent that I describe in my Human Magnet Syndrome book, it all can be traced back to this distribution of love, respect, and care in the relationship. They want to give it all away. They hope that it will be equal, and it's not. And the problem is because because of the chemistry and the, the forces that bring the codependent and narcissist together, the human magnet syndrome, they pick the person that has no interest or ability to reciprocate. Going through a divorce is challenging. It involves many issues, legal, financial, emotional, and social, and requires the guidance of a seasoned legal team to achieve optimal outcomes. That's the promise of Laufer, Delena, Jensen, Bradley, and Doran. Choosing the right family lawyer could be the most important decision you make in the divorce process. There's life after divorce, and Laufer's team helps you to get there. Providing options to mediate, arbitrate, collaborate, or litigate, the firm handles issues such as alimony, custody, child support, and equitable distribution. Each case is staffed with both a male and female attorney as their clients benefit from having both gender perspectives on their side, and that distinguishes their firm. You can get your free consultation today by calling 973-285-1444 and mention that you heard about them on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. When I'm listening to you, it's like the difference between the codependent and the healthy person is a, a, a healthier minded person who has more self-love wouldn't just keep giving and giving and giving, getting nothing and staying hooked. Is and, that correct? I'm glad you said that. And so after I wrote the human magnet syndrome, I expanded the definition of codependency to and actually changed the, the term. I, I mean, I needed to in the human magnet center book, I needed to redefine codependency. And after that was published, I renamed it to self-love deficit disorder because what what binds all codependents, what they all have in common is a lack of self-love. And I, and I explained that a person with codependency always, and I don't mean sometimes, I don't mean 90% of the times, they come from a childhood that had severe attachment trauma because they had a parent who was a narcissist and a codependent. That's the generational thing. They experience attachment trauma from that core shame, from that, this deep, pervasive, bone-aching pathological loneliness, and it it becomes an addiction. That pain of loneliness is so severe that they will choose to be in a relationship to make the pain go away. And then at the top of this is the, is the symptoms or, or traits of a codependent. So to understand a codependent is not in what they do. It's like, why do they do it? They cannot stop 
being in a relationship because the 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 opposite of that is to be alone and to be alone is to feel loneliness and shame that rocks their core. So they, they either find the type of person that will fit with them, the dance, the narcissist, or they stay in that relationship because of the addiction and the withdrawal symptoms of pathological loneliness. And the people that are listening in today are the ones who um, are boldly pushing through that and divorcing yes. the the narcissist. And so there's, there's such a, there's a saying I heard once, uh, until the pain of where you are um, is greater than the fear of where you're going, you will not change. And I think that for myself and so many of my clients, you really had too high of a pain threshold, but at some point decided I do have to leave. And so I'm hoping that the rest of our show today can really help these people um, begin to focus on where they can heal and disengage. Right. And that your saying reminds me of my favorite saying by Anais Nen, and I always butcher it. And the time came when the pain of being closed down and safe um, when the time came when you, you realize you lose more by being closed down and safe than by being open and having a potential to love. Mm. Oh, I love that. And, and I butchered it, but that's the essence of that. Yeah. <laughs> by Anais Nen, yeah. I hear that. And essentially the reason I like, you know, what uh, Anais Nin said, uh, which kind of piggybacks on another favorite saying by George Eliot, um, it's, it's never too late to be the person you should have been. So people who had um, codependency or self-love deficit disorder, they've never experienced self-love and the absence of it compels them to repeat the only type of relationship the only type of love that they've ever known. And that's the type of love they were introduced during their childhood and their family. And the beautiful thing about solving this problem and learning about self-love is that once they heal those, those, those wounds and traumas that cause this codependency or self-love deficit disorder problem, they finally have the innate ability to know what's good for them and to be attracted to the right type of person. Right. And I think that's one of the greatest fears that I hear is I'm going to go out there and I'm going to meet the same man or woman in a different body. And the way you avoid that is by doing the healing that you and I are going to talk about as the show well, that, goes on. And, and that's what my therapist said. That's uh, I mean, before I came up with the human magnet center idea, my therapist says, you know, Ross, you have a broken picker. And he would pick up his hand and show me <laughs> an index finger that's crooked. He says, you fall in love with the same woman but with a different face. And that comment changed everything for me. It's when I realized for the first time, the problem is not the nasty narcissist that I fall in love with. It's me. I'm finding them familiar, sexy, um, 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 desirable, and I'm falling in love with them. And that was the moment of time where I essentially started to put together this idea that we can only get better. We can only solve this magnetic attraction to the opposite narcissist is if we find out what happened to us and what's wrong with us. That's the difference between my work and a lot of work, the others work with codependency. As I say, we have to take responsibility and solve it within ourselves. The narcissists are always going to be narcissists. But if we can figure out why we keep falling in love with the same person, but with a different face, then we have a chance. And that's the self-love part. And, and that's that's why I wanted you on the show, because that is the core of of transformation. Personal transformation right. is being able to really focus 
and and do it with um, compassion and kindness toward oneself. I think that uh, people don't become codependents in relationship. They're they're set oh. up because their childhood and as you're saying perhaps generations to be where they are and yet they can they can change it absolutely it's impossible to change something that that you're not aware of that's embedded um unconsciously Uh, and that is why my my human magnet syndrome and the codependency cure work i believe is helpful it not only explains the problem in a way that codependents accept you know, when I started talking about this as a problem of self-love and trauma, people didn't reject it. They embraced it because it gave them a name for the problem and it pointed them to a solution. And it's a difficult solution, but it's a possible one. Yeah, and it, it just really just hones right in on as, as a recovering codependent. I'm like, that's it. Self-love right. deficit. I mean, it just it just nails it, which is beautiful. You know, one of the things as we start talking about what the codependent can do, we talk about how it's so important that uh, in order to have a healthy relationship, you have to have healthy boundaries. The narcissist is boundary oblivious. I have found that most of the codependents I've worked with have very little experience or understanding around what a boundary is, how to set it, how to uphold it. Can you speak to that in terms of how that plays into the healing? Oh, sure. First of all, I'm I'm gonna take a risk here and be a little bit heretical and say boundaries don't work with narcissists. And it's an important starting point because it is crucial and completely necessary in, in the treatment process of codependents or SLDs is to learn how to do boundaries, but not so much to figure out a way to control the narcissist, but to understand how to protect themselves. If you start with the with the understanding that narcissists are unable to accept boundaries unless somehow there is a severe consequence attached to it. So from that from that point of view, I teach my SLD codependent clients, how to set boundaries and how to predict the narcissist's reaction to them and how to not get sucked in to or induced into um, an argument, uh, into a struggle. And what I did was I created this metaphor, uh, and excuse me, this um, this explanation that I uh, used George Bernard, that uh, relies on George Bernard Shaw saying, never, never wrestle with pigs you'll get dirty and besides the pig likes it and the essence of the essence of that saying is that if you're going to argue and try to confront and and try to engage in a power struggle with a narcissist you will always get beat because the narcissist lives and breathes um, and knows every angle of what I call their wrestling ring. You would never dream of wrestling with a professional wrestler. So the goal then is to stay out of the wrestling ring and find a way to set a boundary without being pulled into a situation where you have the disadvantage. So that said, I teach my SLD codependent clients to set a boundary, how to react when the boundary is not um, 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 accepted and every SLD, every codependent, you, former codependent, recovering codependent, me, will tell the same story that they just don't work. But the but when the boundaries are hard, 
boundaries and they have natural obstacles, that's how we protect the codependent. It's not the, it's the expectation that the boundary will change the mind of the narcissist, make them feel bad, or somehow motivate them to do the right thing. So yes, boundaries for codependents are so necessary for recovery, they have to learn how to protect themselves, but not in one that engages them directly in a confrontation or a fight. Because again, we don't want to wrestle with it. You can't see me, but I, I got air quotes on the pig in the wrestling ring because you're going to get dirty and the narcissist derives all of their power in the fight. So it's a new strategy. It's how to engage and set boundaries with the narcissist and not get engaged in the fight. of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it. That's why we created the Divorce Survival Kit. It's an easy to digest guide with five essential tips that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action. So go to DivorceRecoveryLifeline.com and grab your Divorce Survival Kit today. Of that. Yeah, and so what I did was I created a technique called the observe, don't absorb technique. And a lot of this is on my YouTube videos or the videos that we that we have available on Self Love Recovery Institute. And the observe, don't absorb technique basically um, rests on the idea that if you get upset or angered or absorbed um, by the narcissist, that's equivalent of fighting with them. That's equivalent of getting into the wrestling ring. And every time you fight with a narcissist, they have the power. They will always beat you. They will beat you physically, psychologically, financially, emotionally, verbally. Um, so it rests on the idea of how to stay out of this, I'm quoting, the wrestling ring by staying detached. Artificial healthy disassociation is to watch and know how the, the narcissist um, tries to disable you by getting you angry and wanting them and wanting and getting you to fight them. So if you can observe the narcissist being their mani manipulative self, you can detach and keep from getting angry or upset. You have all the power and control. You don't react. You just gracefully, calmly see what is unhealthy, make decisions on what to do. And you and picturing in the and if you can picture in your mind a wrestling ring, you, you stay out of what I call the physical wrestling ring, which is the actual fight back. You know, the yelling and screaming and emails and, you know, um, spying or the emotional wrestling ring is when they get in your head and you hear that and you wonder and you worry. Staying out of the wrestling ring, keeping calm, detached, that's where the power is. And that's when the boundaries you set actually work. Not so much in getting the narcissist to follow them, but protecting you and not putting you in, a, in the wrestling ring, fighting an adversary that will always kick your butt. So 
I almost it's almost as if you're saying you're you're setting this boundary, even if it's if it's mental or emotional, and then you're upholding it by even if the the narcissist deflects, you're not defending, you're not you're not trying to convince, you're not pouring fuel on the fire, you're getting quiet, you're pulling back, you're giving them nothing to engage with. Exactly. So so let's let's make it even more concrete is is you want the narcissist to not um, 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 yell at you. Um, you can ask them to not yell at you. You can plead with them not to yell at you. You can <laughs> yell back. But the next thing you know, you're yelling back and the narcissist has all the power because it, it creates what I call false power syndrome. It creates a surge of energy and, um, and belief that you are strong enough to f- fight back. All of this adrenaline comes back and you're in a fight. And when that happens to the, the codependent, they're going to lose because they're in the wrestling. So the, the, the boundary is to protect yourself. If you don't stop yelling at me, I'm leaving. If you don't stop yelling at me, I'm calling the police. Um, and remember, boundaries don't work with narcissists. So when you set those boundaries, you know exactly the direction it's going to go. And I actually talk about that in my three-strike boundary rule. It's part of my whole codependency cure um, uh, training program. And and then the boundaries will end either with the execution of the boundary. You actually follow through with what you're going to do. I'm going to leave. You're going to leave. I'm going to call the police. And narcissists might never understand why they need to pay attention to the boundary. But after the consequence or the execution of the boundary, um, they will start to um, respect the boundary, not because they have empathy, because they don't want the punishment. They don't want the consequence. So never expect the narcissist to understand it. But you can expect if you use my observe, don't absorb method and don't get induced into a conversation or an argument, they will feel that the consequences and eventually follow the boundary just because they don't want to um, experience the losses or harm or pain. Yeah, I hear that. And, And what I'm hearing you say is upholding a boundary is about you changing your behavior. So making the call to the police, grabbing the car keys and leaving, like not so many people think, well, I keep trying to get him or her to uphold the boundary. And it's not about what they do. It's about what you do. And and, and that's what I call, I have all these names for all these different things. That's what I call the codependent delusion. A delusion is a belief that's not based in reality. Is to think that the narcissist is going to listen to you when they don't want to, and you can make them. That's part of the dance. That's what keeps them together. That's your, that's what keeps them in a wrestling ring. So when you like set the boundary with hopes to change the narcissist, that keeps you connected to them. The boundary is to protect yourself and it's specific. They have to stop do, doing this or they have to do something. And if not, this is the outcome. This is the consequence. And then you have to deliver it. You don't get and, personal. And I think that's, that's the hardest part too. I think that when you're so afraid of the narcissist, the fear of, and I was in this position, the fear of calling the police, the fear of leaving and the wrath of what's going to happen afterwards. And and the bottom line is the sky never fall, fell and the earth never ate me up and, and, and I got a little bit better. But that, that fear, that bone shaking fear that when you do something like that, you're going to suffer a consequence. And, and to your point, Ross, um, the narcissist suffers the consequence when you're bold enough, courageous enough to do it, and then they don't want to suffer it again. And therein lies 
a change. And let me add, when I talked earlier about understanding codependency as, you know, trauma, shame, loneliness, and the addiction, it's important to know that unconsciously, sometimes consciously, the codependent is terrified of being alone. They want to change the narcissist. They want, but they want things to be different, but they are so afraid of being alone. So if you, if you accept, and by the way, when I created the, the idea of pathological loneliness, it's like Every person I knew that had codependency or later self-love deficit disorder, they said, oh, my gosh, that's it. It is the bane of a codependent is the idea of being alone. So you can set a boundary, but the narcissist knows, and maybe you know, um, that you're not capable of, of leaving the relationship. So you're mm -hmm. fighting a fight that you're not able to execute. Because if you're setting a boundary and you can't execute on the, on the consequence, which is if they don't respect you to leave the relationship, then you're just in a, on a hamster wheel moving forward, thinking you're going to get somewhere, but you never make any progress. And, and you're listening to what they're saying, and they're telling you you're going to be out on the street, or you're not going to have any money, or everyone's going to know it was your fault, or you're going to lose the children, or all of those other things that all of our listeners hear all the time. And it's like when you're believing mm -hmm. their distorted reality over what's real, um, you can really get caught on that hamster wheel that you're discussing. And what you're talking about is gaslighting. And that's one of the many differences in my first and second Human Magnus Center book is I, is I introduced the concept of gaslighting, both in the development of codependency in your childhood and the maintenance of it in an adult. Narcissists purposefully gaslight the codependent, the SLD, into accepting a reality um, that is not true or accurate. That no one will love you. You'll always, you're too heavy, you're too light, you're too tall, you're mm. too short, you're not educated, you'll never get a job. If they can turn you against yourself and make you believe something that's not true, they've controlled your destiny. So what good is the consequence when you say, stop yelling at me, stop yelling at the kids, or I'm going to leave you? The narcissist knows that you've been gaslit to believe that you won't leave because you're afraid of being on your own. Right. It becomes futile. So I want to ask you about another thing that, that I see happening often, which is uh, the codependent ties themselves into a pretzel trying to uh, assume the 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 thought or the emotional reaction of the narcissist so that they can then somehow know how they should react to calm the waters and keep the peace. Yeah. Like, how do you describe all of that? <laughs> I describe that whole process as delusional. And again, not in the mental health psychiatric form of delusional, you know, uh -huh. like we have in schizophrenia, but more of believing in, a, in something that is not true. And it's the fundamental belief that you can control the narcissist, keeps them engaged in this wrestling fight that they think they can win, but with an adversary that always is um, stronger and more powerful. The codependent cannot change a narcissist. And and once they realize that, because remember, I started off in the beginning of, of this interview, they have personality disorders. And the nature of a personality disorder is they don't think they have a problem. They blame people for their problems. When held accountable, they blame the person who held them accountable, and they project all of what's bad about them onto another person, and they don't even know they're doing that. So it is almost impossible to get the pathological narcissist to take responsibility for something, let alone change. So, and the, 
the codependent, when they stay glued into this adversarial, I got to get them to change. I got to get them to understand that is that is the glue that keeps them in the relationship. Once you understand they can't change and to fight them directly is part of the problem. Then the new strategy needs to be built. You know, Ross, when I was uh, going through the early stages of my divorce, I had a therapist and I remember saying to her, if I could just be clearer, like if I could just articulate just so that he would understand why I'm leaving. And she was like, Karen, you're crystal clear. There's no more clarity. It's not going to happen that way. And that was an eye opener for me. I, I kept thinking I I was the problem. I wasn't communicating well enough. Meanwhile, I had years of experience that that wasn't the case. And Karen, if your therapist had read, and I say this rhetorically because it probably wasn't around there, if you, your therapist had read my material or I had been your therapist, we would have you would have known about pathological narcissism. I would have taught you the nature of the disorder and why it's impossible to get that person to be anything that you want them to be. And then more importantly, you would learn the ins and outs of the nature of your self-love deficit disorder, understanding the trauma, the shame, the loneliness, and the, this addiction. And it's because once you get these fundamental underlying causes, then you understand why you keep believing things that you hope will happen, but never do. You have one more uh, approach. I, I don't know if you mentioned it, the uh, avoiding induced conversation technique. Do you want to just speak to that before we wrap up? Oh, absolutely. Um, um, it's interesting. Uh, sometimes I don't understand the power of some of my ideas until I put them on YouTube. And um, and I'm going to kind of take a little bit of a detour, but I'm going to get back to your question. And so I'll put up a YouTube video based upon this insight, this idea, this epiphany I had. And, you know, you know, two years, three years ago, I had this epiphany, you know, of, you know, don't if you if you're with a covert narcissist, which is, you know, someone with, you know, who's uh, has narcissistic personality disorder, who's sociopathic or or antisocial personality disorder partner is you don't want if you want to leave the relationship, you don't confront them. You don't tell them what you're doing. And so the name of the video was don't pull the mask of the covert narcissist, just run, just leave. Mm-hmm. And that, that hit a nerve. And that video has been viewed almost 2 million times. And so what that video told me is that there are ideas that go contrary to what most people know about how to set boundaries and protect yourself is that, is that the worst thing you can do is take on an adversary in a, in, in a direct confrontation. Um, and that is why I still have to pinch myself to believe, to believe that, you know, that video has been viewed so much times. And my whole observe, don't absorb technique has been viewed about a million times. But the question you asked is induced conversation. So like most of my ideas, I usually come during either my own therapy session, um, and I'm grateful for those, or <laughs> my, my work with uh, my clients. And, and I had been working on this idea about, you know, it fits with the whole wrestling ring, um, the narcissist, codependent, observe, don't absorb, the pig, all the stuff that we talked about is that the, the worst thing you can do is to engage the narcissist in a discussion about something you want him to do or not do. And when you are setting a boundary and the relationship is falling apart and, excuse me, and there's no contact, 
you must avoid any conversation um, that has that is is about anything except essential black and white concrete matters. And what the, once that narcissist feels that the codependent, the SLD, to use my observe don't absorb techniques to want to to and they start they will notice and they will get mad. They will fight back when they don't get a reaction because the narcissists know full well. They're conscious of it. Their power is in getting a reaction. Mm-hmm. Then if they can't trigger you, you've had good therapy, you've seen my videos, you've watched, read the book, and you realize that your best defense is no offense, they will do anything to get you back in the wrestling ring. And I call that induced conversation. They will find a way to take a any type of conversation, anything from a benign topic about, hey, we need to talk about our bank account or you know, our son has got a fever. They will find a way to start a conversation. And in that conversation that has nothing to do with the conflict, they then pull you in and they and they and they trigger you and activate you and bring you back into the wrestling ring where you then get activated and fight. You, you absorb um, and you lose. So that that whole idea of induced conversation was another video that kind of hit hit the bullseye. And that was done a year ago. And it's, been, it's almost at 800,000 views. So apparently this information is 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 incredibly it's- important. Yeah, it's it's really helpful. I after I was I had read that part of your book and then I'm 14 years post divorce and my ex reached out on the only platform he can reach me um, concerned about the kids want to have a conversation with you. And I just started cracking up. I was like, oh, my God, this is this. And then as it unfolded, it was exactly what you described. And so it's so helpful to have someone put words to what we've been experiencing, especially when we feel like we're the crazy one because we've been told that for so long. And so it's just it's it's just incredibly helpful. And uh, and I think that this is this is really valuable for our listeners. Can, can I add one more thing? And by the way, yeah. All of this, I have this six, all of my work is, is um, if it's not in my Human Magnet Center book, it's on, I, I, I record my seminars, all day seminars, and to make them available to the public at selfloverecovery.com. But this whole induced conversation um, idea was expanded, and I, and, I, and I actually posted this on YouTube, and it's called The 12 Ways the Narcissist Manipulates You Once You Have Successfully created a no contact boundary and it Mm -hmm. goes through 12 different strategies they do um, that um, um, range from yelling screaming and threatening to crying and and begging for forgiveness to going to therapy um, so that the person the SLD um, knows through this whole um, observed and absorbed technique and this induced conversation idea is that their narcissist is going to act like they're dying and will do anything to get you back and they will do and everything they do is not going to be true or honest or genuine and they and and they might finally get what they've always wanted and that should never be seen as a good thing so so yes right. 
the more you know, the more you can protect yourself. I was I was just going to say it's like it's like you offer a playbook, like the narcissist playbook through all these videos so that those of us who were caught up in not understanding and doubting ourselves, it's like it's so incredibly valuable. That That's just wonderful, Ross. Well, thank um, you. Any last thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with before we wrap up? Yeah, I'm, it's really all about solving the essential problem of why you don't have self-love. And there's no easy solution. And that's why psychotherapy is so important. And a psychotherapist that understands my, my treatment methods is everyone up until, I think until I created myself, not that, and I don't, it's not to self-promote myself or pat myself on the back, have been working on the symptoms. To solve this problem is you gotta be brave and courageous enough to look back at what happened to you, go all the way back to the beginning and understand that you are perpetuating the relationships you had with your parent, the narcissistic parent. And to solve that is you got to find out why you are so self-love disengaged, self-love deficient. And it can happen. I see it all the time. People get to the bottom of what causes them to stay in these relationships. They overcome it and they heal. And it's cured, which is why I call my latest work the codependency cure. It's not recovering. There's no relapse. Once you solve the fundamental problem of self-love deficiency and become self-love abundant, then what I call your, your broken picker, <laughs> you can't see it, but now my finger is straight. Um, and now you're attracted to people that are more like you. And you don't really have to know anything. It just happens organically and naturally. So there's hope and don't give up on that. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that one of the areas of shame is is that um, codependents feel like, how could I have been so stupid? How did I end up here? And, and to the work you're talking about, you were predisposed and exactly. to get to the core of, of what happened in your childhood, your family of origin, that you were predisposed. And it's like if you're in a gardener, you got to get get to the root and pull the root exactly. of that weed out so that it's gone all together. Exactly. And it sounds like that's what you offer. And so I thank just want to thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your expertise, offering our listeners uh, such deeply informative and valuable information. Um, I just want to share with the, our listeners, you can find the material covered in this show and much more uh, in, in The Human Magnet Syndrome, which is, which is Ross Rosenberg's book, uh, mm -hmm. tagline, The Codependent Narcissist Trap. And that book explains... Uh, why codependents habitually fall prey to harmful and manipulative narcissists and why they sabotage their dreams uh, for freedom and happiness. It's a must read if you're caught in this relationship dynamic. And then the other one, which we've referenced a few times, is the Self-Love Recovery Institute, where you can find all of Ross Rosenberg's professional services and downloadable video programs. Just go to uh, www.selfloverecovery.com. Thank you. So if you've been uh, 
finding value in our podcast, please take a minute and review our Journey Beyond Divorce podcast on iTunes. It's fast and simple, and it's a great way to pay it forward and help someone else who's looking for valuable content on divorce. Also, stay tuned for the upcoming shows in this Divorcing a Narcissist and High Conflict Divorce series. Make sure you subscribe uh, to our Journey Beyond Divorce podcast so that you'll be notified when each new episode goes live. And some of our upcoming episodes include our next, which is strategies for staying sane and effective during your high conflict divorce. And that'll be followed by understanding the legal landscape and supporting experts available for high conflict divorce and then how to protect the kids uh, when divorcing a high conflict personality. We've got 24 episodes in total, so stay tuned. My deep desire is to support you to effectively navigate your high conflict divorce and to grow personally, to experience transformation through your journey. And you can learn more about us at jbddivorcesupport.com. You can also join our Journey Beyond Divorce community on Facebook and receive guidance and encouragement from our coaches along with the other members who are facing similar divorce challenges. We're also sharing valuable content on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. So wherever you hang out, you can find us. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with our next episode. So stay tuned and thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.